You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. When we began to look at the whole question of Yibum, we learned the verses in Deuteronomy, in Devarim. And we said, when brothers dwell together, and one of them dies childless, the wife of the dead shall not be married unto somebody, some stranger, but her brothers, her husband's brother, her Yavam shall Yavo Aleha. And it's Yavo, it literally means to go in unto her. Yavo Aleha Ulukahla and will go into her and will take her to him to wife. And this expression, Yavo, to go in, is a euphemism. It's actually a euphemism in Hebrew just as much as it is a euphemism in English. And it's actually a euphemism for sex. Yavor, to go in, means sex in Tanakh, and it's meant to mean that in English. And this, this euphemism is going to be picked up in the beginning of the sixth chapter of Yavamot. In fact, I would say the whole of the sixth chapter of Yavamot is actually related to sex. And we'll see now in the Mishnah, using the same euphemism, Haba el Yavimtor, someone who goes into his Yavamal, someone who has intercourse with his Yavamal. And now we'll have a whole list of situations, Bain Shogeg, Bain Mezid, whether in error or deliberately. How this can be an error, we don't quite understand that. Maybe, and, and some of the commentators say, you know, he doesn't have the intention to create Yibum, to create leveret marriage. So this is some kind of, is he go, is it, I guess it's a, a reference to licentious sex, maybe. It's, it's difficult to understand really how, you know, how the Mishnah can say, Bain Shogeg, Bain Mezid, whether in error or deliberately, it's, it, we don't quite understand how it can be an error, but let's keep going reading the Mishnah. Bain honest, Bain Baratzon, whether under compulsion or whether under free will. Afilu Hushogeg, the he mezida, maybe he is um, acting in error and she's intending. Who mezid, the he shogeget, or maybe he's intending and she's in error. So it sounds as though one party might be deceiving the other. And this statement is gender neutral. We're not sure who's deceiving who. Who anos vehilo anusa? Maybe he is under compulsion and she is not. Or maybe he anusa vehulo anus. Maybe she's under compulsion and he is not. There are all these situations. And the Mishnah concludes, Echad hamarebe, echad gomer kana. Whether... Um, he completed, whether he just began to have intercourse, or whether he completed having intercourse, doesn't make any difference. He's acquired her as a wife. And the Mishnah is articulating a principle that we've already spoken about before, but we haven't articulated it clearly. And maybe this Mishnah should come much higher up in the Masechet of Yevamot. 
it's not quite clear to me why this isn't coming higher up in the Masakat of Yevamot, because it's a fundamental principle. Maybe not because we're following a timeline. So we began with the death of the brother, and then we go on to possible promises and betrothal, and now we're getting on to the act of Yibum itself. Maybe we're following a timeline rather than following the principles. But the principle that the Mishnah is articulating is that Yibum, i.e. lever at marriage, is only really sealed when the marriage is consummated. And it doesn't seem to matter how the marriage is consummated, but it's sealed at that point. So as we said before, the rabbis, they're not very comfortable with this. So the rabbis demand that we do a, a mar, a betrothal, either with a document or with, with money, before consummating the marriage. But in principle, the basic halacha, according to the Mishnah, and this is essentially reflecting the pesukim, yivamaya vo aleha, her, her, her brother-in-law shall come in unto her. The basic halacha is that the leveret marriage is sealed when the marriage is consummated. And then the Mishnah concludes, and there's no distinction between different kinds of intercourse. And this seems to refer actually to anal sex. And we know normally don't talk about anal sex in polite converse, polite company, certainly not. It, it's not the sort of thing you discuss on the Shabbat table. But one of the things about the Mishnah is that the Mishnah is actually not embarrassed about talking about anything. So the Mishnah has a peculiar ability to address very calmly and very objectively all kinds of things that we personally find difficult. And so it does here. There's no distinction between different kinds of intercourse. They're all equal as far as, as cementing the Yibum is concerned. And once we've got on to the question, of what sort of intercourse is required to cement the yibum, we go on to talk about different kinds of intercourse and forbidden relationships. Because as we've said before, what this, um, what the the tractate of Yivamot, what the, the 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 what we're doing here in Yivamot is not just defining yibum, defining lever at marriage, but we're defining marriage in general. And so the Mishnah is going to take the opportunity to, once it's begun the question of sex, to define different kinds of relationships. So <laughs> the Mishnah continues. And similarly, if someone has intercourse with any of the forbidden relationships in the Torah. So we began by talking about a relationship which is commanded by the Torah. The brother-in-law is commanded to, to, to um, raise a son for his deceased child's brother. And we said, as far as that command is concerned, any kind of intercourse works. And by the way, when we get to the end of the sixth chapter, as we said, the sixth chapter is really focused on sex. When we get to the end of the sixth chapter, we're going to be talking about procreation and the, the mitzvah of procreation. Because um, everybody, or certainly everybody's commanded to have children. It's the first mitzvah in the Torah, peru revu, be fruitful and multiply. And so the, there's this sixth chapter of Yivamot begins with the, a command to procreate on behalf of a deceased brother, and it ends with a command which is in common on essentially everybody. 
And in the middle, between these two commands, it's going to deal with forbidden relationships. So it says, So if someone has intercourse with anybody, any of the forbidden relationships, listen to Torah, so for example, well, with your wife's sister or with your wife's mother, for example, or psulot, um, or psulot, or with any of those which are disqualified. So there are some relationships which are, are, if you like, not forbidden as incestuous relationship, but they're nevertheless against the law. What are these? Well, we're going to have a list now. Almanala Kohen Gadol. A widow can't marry a high priest. A divorced woman or a chalutza, someone who's carried out chalitza to an ordinary Kohen. Mamzeret unutinali Israel, someone who's a mamzeret or a netina, someone who's non, who's um, a Gibeonite to an Israelite. These are all. This is a list of forbidden relationships which we've seen before, actually, in the Masechet. But Israel la mamzer, or a Jewish girl, to a mamzer or to a Gibeonite. And if any of these, if someone who carries out any of these relationships, the Mishnah rules. Pasal makes invalid. What are we talking about when we say make invalid? The Mishnah seems to be saying makes invalid from makes her invalid from marrying a priest. A priest can't marry someone who's had a forbidden relationship. So if you have a forbidden, if a man has a forbidden relationship with a woman, she becomes disqualified from marrying a priest. It's very interesting. He doesn't seem to be disqualified, but she's disqualified. And then the Mishnah continues with exactly the same clothes. As we saw previously, in the previous Mishnah, the previous Mishnah closed, there's no difference between different kinds of intercourse. In the second Mishnah, we can see we're in a sort of poetic a sort of poetic frame of mind here, closed in exactly the same way. doesn't matter what kind of intercourse, any of these kinds of intercourse disqualify a woman from marrying a priest. And then following this theme, we're going to learn a halacha about the daughter of a priest. And we, for this, we need a couple of verses from Vaikra, from Leviticus, from the Pasha of Emor, which explain, Uvat kohen ishzar, a priest's daughter, if she's married to a common man, she can't eat truma. A priest's daughter will eat truma as long as she's in the priest's family. But once she marries out, marries an ordinary guy, she can't eat truma anymore. And if the situation reverses, she can go back to her father's house. If the priest's daughter be a widow or a divorced person, with no child, the kind of situation we're thinking about in our Masachet, in our tractate, and she comes back to her father's house, she can eat of her father's bread just as, as in her youth. So in other words, when the daughter of a Kohen leaves her father's house, she stops eating truma, and if she comes back childless, she can start eating truma again. And the Mishnah will say, 
Almana la Kohen Gadol, Grusha Bachalutsala Kohen Ediot, a widow married to a high priest or a divorced woman or a Chalutsal to an ordinary priest. These are all these, these are the forbidden relationships that we've just learned about. Min erusin lo yochlu bitruma. From the time that she's betrothed, she can't eat truma. So if this widow married to a high priest was the daughter of a Kohen, she's back in her father's house. But as soon as she becomes betrothed to a high priest, as soon as she becomes betrothed in a forbidden relationship, she can't eat truma anymore. As, as, as soon as the betrothal takes place. And Rabbi Elazar and Rabbi Shimon are going to disagree. Rabbi Elazar or Rabbi Shimon Machshiren. Rabbi, El- Rabbi, El- Rabbi Elazar is going to, um, apologies for the translation on the source sheet, it's Rabbi Elazar. Rabbi Elazar and Rabbi Shimon are, are going to allow her. And everybody's going to agree. Nit alma or nit garsha min hanisuin. If they became widows or, or were divorced after the marriage took place. So in other words, they become engaged, they become married, and then they become widowed or, or divorced. Pusulot, they're no longer eligible to uh, eat truma. Umina erusin ksherot, if after betrothal, then they can still eat truma in their father's house. In, as if to say, going back to the theme of the tractate, which is essentially about sex, about intercourse, as if it's to say, look, it's the the act of consummating the marriage which makes someone ineligible to eat truma. It's not the act of betrothal. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. <laughs>